The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. What makes a successful entrepreneur? One who is constantly worried about the success of their business to the point where they don't have any time for themselves? Or one who keeps an eye on business but also makes time for the rest of their life? Welcome to Reclaim Your Freedom with host Shirley Dalton. In this program, you'll learn how to create an amazing, successful business and still have time for a life. Now, here's Shirley Dalton. Hello and welcome. Today we've got another fascinating interview for you about a subject that I'm personally very interested in. You're listening to Reclaim Your Freedom and I'm your host Shirley Dalton. We've spoken many times about my mission to help business owners, entrepreneurs, leaders and managers to reclaim your freedom and create your ideal business lifestyle. Well, today you're going to learn some tools to help you fight anxiety, fear and depression which is caused by stress. If you're in business or management, I know you'll experience stress from time to time. We're talking with Dr. Arthur Sierra McCauley, who's got an EDD, a PhD, and is the author of The Stress Solution, using empathy and cognitive behavioral therapy to reduce anxiety and develop resilience. Welcome, Arthur. Thank you very much, Shirley. Thank you for having me. Arthur, I'm really excited to talk with you today and listeners I did ask permission to call him by his first name. Arthur you have a PhD which means you've done quite a bit of research and you're highly respected and well known in the academic field. What is an EDD? Well EDD is a doctor of education so it's, it's, a, it's a degree, a doctorate that comes from the school of education. It's a little deceiving however because in a school of education you could actually study psychology and other, other disciplines as well, but the degree comes from the School of Education. Okay, great. So um, that's a real passion of yours is to, to learn and to teach. Yes, I'm, uh, I'm always learning and uh, I'm always interested in new research and, and what science is, is proving and also, of course, my own experience with patients on a daily basis and I have three ongoing uh, group leadership groups that are leadership and communication groups that have been going on for over 25 years now. So I learn every week from people that I interact with, and uh, that's what makes this work so interesting. Yes, yeah. So even though the concepts might be the same, the people are you know different. Always an individual. So well, the people, the, the people in these groups, interestingly, are, are I mean, these are not people who are mentally ill. They're probably a lot of the people that you've dealt with. Most of them are from the corporate and business world, and they, they do very well in their careers, but their personal lives and their ability to take care of themselves lacks, uh, unfortunately. And thank God that we've got you to help with that. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Arthur, before we get into why you wrote the book, and this is your seventh book, and how we can deal with stress, can I just share a little bit about your background with our audience? You're a lot. Sure. Yeah, great. You're a licensed clinical psychologist treating clients for more than 35 years. 
a member of the American Psychological Association and the Massachusetts Psychological Association. You're co-director of Integrated Success Solutions and you are formerly the Chief Medical Officer of soundminds.org. You've been on the faculty of Harvard Medical School for several years, lecturer for the American Cancer Society, Chief Psychologist at Metro West Medical Center, Director of Group Therapy Programs and Director of the Metro West Counseling Center and of the Alternative Medicine Division of Metro West Wellness Center in Framingham, Massachusetts. In addition to treating patients, you've lectured at Harvard Health Services, Boston College Counseling Center, the Space Telescope Science Institute in Baltimore, as well as being a consultant to several major corporations in the Boston area. And as you've mentioned, you've been conducting leadership and communication groups for over 25 years with executives, professional athletes, media personnel and others. Now we know you're not shy, you've appeared on most of the major TV networks and hundreds of radio networks, including today, and we're going to talk about your new book, The Stress Solution, using empathy and cognitive behavioural therapy to reduce anxiety and develop resilience, which was published, well, it's last year now because we've just turned into 2017. So Arthur, what made you decide to write book number seven? Well, surely the, the stress rates in the United States have increased dramatically and um, people talk about stress so often uh, that I decided to write this book because as I began to do some research on, on the subject itself, uh, what, I what I noticed in the research is that 75% of Americans say that, they're, that they experience stress on a physical or emotional level every day, and 50% of Americans say they wake up every night due to stress. In addition, last year, 75% of visits to primary care physicians was caused by stress. So obviously our stress rates are really depleting our health and having a dramatic influence on our relationships. So that's what really motivated me to write this book. Wow, they're, they're huge numbers. I mean, if you look at the population of the USA, you're talking 75% experience it almost every day, 50% wake up each night. Like, that, they're huge numbers. Um, so when we're talking about stress, what's your definition of stress? Well, stress... We all experience stress at times, but stress that's destructive is perceived is having to do with how we perceive. And what I try to teach people, Shirley, is that perception is the key to being calm and not stressed. Because when we distort what we see, or we have prejudices about ourselves or others, we produce the stress hormone cortisol, and that's what causes ongoing depletion of our physiology. So. The ability to perceive accurately, to perceive the truth in other people. I was just talking about this in one of our groups this morning because one of the members was looking at another and he was frowning and she said, are you angry with me? Hmm. And one of the women said, and he said, angry with you? I've got a migraine. I'm not angry with you. And see, that's an example of a distortion. That's what cognitive behavioral therapy focuses on. It focuses on the ways we're conditioned to distort the truth. And when we distort the truth, we produce the stress hormone cortisol, which has many, many negative effects. And I think, you know, people generally are not aware of the negative effects that cortisol causes. And what, what it does cause, it causes negative thinking, weight gain, inflammation, hair loss. It breaks down muscle tissue. It causes flabbiness, depression, 
anxiety, and it actually, if, if we have cortisol in our system in an ongoing way, it actually kills neurons in the memory center of the brain. And most interestingly, it, it's related to weight gain because cortisol, the stress hormone cortisol, throws off blood sugar levels, which increases the size of fat cells and makes us desire sugary foods. So it has many, many negative effects. And and I think we get used to living with a certain level of stress and we don't understand, we don't often understand what this hormone is doing to our bodies and to our brains. Most interestingly, even recently, uh, you know, in, 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 in Australia, uh, from the uh, Monash Institute, there they, they found that chronic stress increases the activity of lymphatic system that, that allows cancer to spread six times faster than it normally would if cortisol was not in your system. So many, many negative effects from this hormone that is mostly produced by misperception, the, the, the way we learn to perceive inaccurately early in life, and that has to, has to be unlearned. Wow. You know, I was just, I was listening to you list off those negative um, symptoms, if you like, and effects, and knowing the people that I've worked with in small business and leaders and entrepreneurs, uh, I'm sure that there would be lots of people there. And as you say, those extraordinary numbers of, of people that are experiencing it each day would be going tick, 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 you know, um, yeah. weight gain, muscle uh, tissue going, being flabby, depressed, killing neurons in our memory cells, you know. And, and what I heard there, uh, Arthur, is that, Potentially, people are not even aware that this is happening to them. Yes, that's part of the problem, Shirley, because it, they're not. These are people who are not mentally ill, and they're often high achievers in the in the corporate or business worlds. Mm -hmm. So, they, you would assume that the fast pace they're living at, and and the and because of their success in in the business world, in the work world, that they're not necessarily unhealthy. But this stress is in, this stress is insidious, and this hormone that, act, that activates all these negative characteristics really wears down people significantly over time. And then they really don't they don't know why it's it's really become a puzzle, you know. And and basically, what I try to tell people over and over again is, look, basically, we in America work too much, sleep too little, we love with half a heart, and then we wonder why we're unhappy and unhealthy. And when you're stressed, when you have the stress hormone cortisol in your body, you have a lot of difficulty being present. You have a lot of difficulty being patient. Cortisol interferes with sleep as well. So you tend not to sleep well. You wake up in the middle of the night worried about tomorrow, tomorrow's performance. And you don't make for a very good love partner because it's hard for you to settle down and be present when you have this hormone in your system that actually limits the capacity for empathy. And that's why I, I accent empathy in the book a great deal, as you know, and I have a chapter on empathic listening. Because when we give and receive empathy, we do the opposite of what the stress hormone cortisol causes. When we give and receive empathy, we release the near miracle trans, neurotransmitter oxytocin, which is what women produce when they're pregnant. And what does oxytocin do? It reduces anxiety and cortisol levels. It helps us live longer. It aids in recovery from illness and injury. It promotes a sense of calm and well-being. It increases generosity and empathy. It protects against heart disease. It decreases inflammation. Most importantly, it reduces cravings for addictive substances. 
and it creates a bond, an increase in trust in other people that decreases fear and creates a feeling of security and basically it makes us open for love and, and connection, connection of a deep, deeper level. So, so if I understand you correctly, what you're saying is that the, the lifestyle, particularly of the high achievers, uh, causes us to produce the stress hormone cortisol, which gives us all of those negative effects, which I'm sure a lot of our listeners would be sitting there with their mouth open and nodding their head. And then yes. what, you, what you're saying is that the antidote to that is to um, develop and create oxytocin. And the way that you found to do that is by teaching people to be more, um, how do you say it, empathic or empathetic? Um, yes. And then you get all of the benefits of having the oxytocin. So I think this is a really good place for us to take a break because when we come back, let's get into how you actually do create that with the empathy. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. If you like the Reclaim Your Freedom radio show, you can join Shirley Dalton for her TV show, Empowered Business TV, where you'll get to meet her guests in person and join in with activities to improve yourself, your team, and your business. Watch demonstrations of techniques and strategies you can implement immediately. Plus, regular business owners who are happy to share their experiences and secrets that have made them successful to help you achieve the success you want in business and in life. Visit EmpoweredBusinessTV.com today. Shirley Dalton's guide, Five Simple Steps to Business Freedom, is changing the way today's professionals balance their work lives and the rest of their lives. You can enjoy this guide free when you discover BusinessFreedomFighters.com. You'll find out how to get out of the stranglehold of business and get your life back. The secret is not working longer or harder. It's working smarter and better. You'll join the thousands who find this guide and Shirley Dalton valuable resources for their business. Visit businessfreedomfighters.com today. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Reclaim Your Freedom with Shirley Dalton. If you have a question or a comment about the program, please send an email to questions at daltonbusinesssystems.com. Again, that's questions at daltonbusinesssystems.com. Now, back to Reclaim Your Freedom. Welcome back. You're listening to Reclaim Your Freedom. I'm Shirley Dalton, and today we are talking with author and expert on how to get rid of that stress hormone cortisol in your body and we're talking with Dr. Arthur Sierra McCauley. Now, Arthur, you've written a book, but just before we went to the break, we were talking about how we can help ourselves to develop oxytocin within our body, which gives us a whole, like almost the opposite of the stress hormone. And you mentioned um, having empathy for people. So can you tell us what you mean by empathy and, and then what we can do? 
Well, empathy is the capacity to understand and respond to the unique experiences of another. You know, empathy calms the emotional brain so that we can slow down and see the truth in an interaction with other people. And um, in terms of business, you know, people often say to me, well, what does empathy have to do with being successful in the business or corporate world? I said, you know, two things. Stephen Covey was asked several years ago, what is, what is the most important characteristic in terms of being successful in business? And he said one word, empathy. He said, what, and, and he was asked why by a journalist. And he said, well, because you need to understand the customer's wants. You need to understand what they want from you. You need to understand their needs. And, and in many ways, their longings, so that you can satisfy what they're looking for. Secondly, Harvard Business School did a study on what, what makes people the most successful in the corporate world. The, the people who were most successful made the people who worked for them understood, and they, and they sensed other people's needs. Also in that study, they, they determined that the empathy quotient, the ability to be empathic with coworkers and people that work for you, was three times more important than IQ. EQ was three times more important than IQ. So why is empathy so important? Because empathy allows us to read accurately other human beings. And whether we use it in business to, to negotiate and, and make connections so that we can secure contracts with our partners and vendors, or whether we use empathy to understand the other person who we have a love relationship with or our children, spouses, it's critically important. It's probably the most important capacity that we're born with for being successful in personal and professional life. And we are born with empathy. We're born with the capacity for empathy. But if we don't develop it, it atrophies like an unused muscle. So if we, if we don't develop it, if we don't practice it, we don't really hone in on those skills of knowing how to read other people and in many ways knowing who to get close to and who to remain distant from. Because empathy allows us to go beyond the surface in terms of another person and see into their heart and soul and what they're really made up of. What is their character like? How honest are they? How dependable are they? All these characteristics that we need to know in terms of negotiating and wanting to do business with an individual or a company or wanting to pick a partner to live with, to marry, to spend your life with. And also, it's a critical skill to give to your children, to pass on to your children, because it helps them negotiate the minefield of relationships in their world. And as I'm listening to you, and, and yeah, I'm nodding my head, I'm, yeah, I love it. Um, one of the things that uh, we've, you know, I'm often talking to people about is, is how it is for the other person. But we're going to talk a little bit about how you can actually develop that because you were saying there that we're born with the ability, but we need to practice it. And, um, yeah. you know, I think a lot of people are unaware of that. And um, those benefits that you gave there, I mean, listeners, that <laughs> there's no other better reason than to hook into this because you've got to have much better love relationships, you can have better working relationships, you can understand the people that are working with you, you can negotiate better. And, um, and I love that you said there, Arthur, that EQ is more important, three times more important than IQ. And, um, you know, a lot of very successful leaders understand that, you know, it's, it's knowing themselves yes. and, and yes. knowing their people. So if, where you said empathy is understanding and being able to respond to the unique experience of others, 
if I, if I haven't been practicing and my skill for this or my ability for this has waned somewhat, how, how do I get it back? What are some of the things that I can do to improve? Well, well, too. I mean, first of all, you want to reduce your stress level. And slow down is a, is a critical phrase when you're trying to practice empathy. Slow down. Quick reactors often make mistakes and often interpret the intentions of others incorrectly because they're reacting so quickly to cues that they really came from the past. You know, past disappointments or when we had emotional pain can program our brains to jump to conclusions very quickly when we sense similar circumstances to the past. And we don't want that to happen if we're going to actually perceive the truth, so we have to slow down. And when you slow down, you calm the emotional brain and you don't produce the stress hormone cortisol, which limits empathy. So when we're doing that and when we slow down, you know, empathy slows things down so that emotions can be tempered with thoughtful reflection. And it allows us to avoid snap judgments. That's another key aspect of practicing empathy. First, slow down. Second, avoid snap judgments. Empathy doesn't categorize based on past experience, but sees human beings as always changing and evolving. I always say to people, try very hard to not put old faces on new faces. We all have a tendency to do that. If I look like someone who bullied you earlier in your life, or I was your previous boss who you didn't get along with, or my hair, or my eyes, or my, 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 the way I talk is similar, our brains make a quick determination that this person is very similar. I had a person that, um, in one of my groups recently, I added a person, actually a CEO of a significant company in the Boston area, who, unbeknownst to many people, is a recovering alcoholic. He, he, he was drinking excessively, even though he was able to perform. Long story short, I, I added him to one of my leadership groups, communication and leadership groups, and one of the one, women who was married to a, a uh, active alcoholic, she's now divorced from him, immediately she reacted because the man I added is tall like her ex-husband, he's alcoholic, and her ex-husband was, was physical. He was abusive physically to her and her children. So she immediately said to him, have you ever hit anyone when you drink? Oh. And he looked he looked at me and he said, why is she asking me these questions? Well, it was a good example for all of us to realize that because of the past hurt that she experienced, she immediately jumped to the conclusion. That was a lack of empathy. When we slowed the whole process down, and now that she has known him for several weeks, she realizes that that's something she has to be very careful about. Because, yes, he looked like, and he had the same problem as, as, his ex as a, her ex-husband, but he has never hit anyone in his life. And in mm -hmm. fact, he's tried very hard with his children and certainly tried very hard to, to maintain his recovery and be more available to his family. So it was an unfair but an understandable projection that she made so quickly. And that's part of the distortion, the cognitive distortions we make that cause stress and release that hormone, that, that devastating hormone cortisol. So what we're trying to do in teaching empathy, slow down avoid snap judgments and pay attention to the past. We have to learn from the past. We need to understand that our past, our theories, our old patterns, they can interfere with understanding and perceiving. And if you're unaware of your own biases from the past, your ability to perceive accurately will be compromised. For instance, you know, if you have a fear of anger because your father had a short temper, 
you may be overly sensitive to people you encounter who are passionate but not angry. But because they raise their voice because they're excited, you automatically assume they're angry because you haven't unlearned some of those old conditioned responses. So in a sense, you really need to be um, becoming more self-aware, don't you, if you're going to be taking um, uh, taking notice of what's happened in the past. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I, I believe that, you know, very few of us, if any, have grown up in a completely objective environment. I mean, we've all grown up being exposed to people who may not perceive accurately and have biases about us or others. And what I try to say to everyone and what I try to teach is that early in life we create a novel, a fictitious story about ourselves that we write based on what we think is being reflected back from, to us from those around us, if, as if we're looking at ourselves in a mirror. But if the mirrors you're looking into are cracked or inaccurate, you get a distorted view of yourself as you would if you were looking in a circus mirror. So as a result, you create an inaccurate story about yourself and this story sets the stage for an irrational belief systems. So we can, and we can't change that story alone. We're all too subjective. We need to rewrite the story, change the novel to a nonfiction book. As an adult, I think we're all our responsibility is to change that old story to find out the truth of who we are today. And how do we do that? We can't do it alone. We're all too subjective. We need feedback from rational, objective people in our lives as adults and when we get enough feedback from a consensus of people then we need to start rewriting and editing our, our book about ourselves so that we can see ourselves clearly and that we don't jump to conclusions about others. And I'm guessing that that's not just negative feedback is it like oh you do this and you do that and you think oh wow well I better go and change that. I'm guessing that there would be a certain amount of positive feedback that maybe we're not seeing because of that cracked or distorted mirror that we're looking at. Yes, we were just talking about that in, in my group this morning about how, how hard it is because we have 10 members in the group and one of the women was saying she's the only woman in the group even though she's a successful businesswoman. She's had her own small business for many years but she doesn't have a college degree mm -hmm. and she said, well, I always feel like I'm the least intelligent person in the group and one of the women said, I thought you were a, I thought you were a student of Dr. C's when you first started the group because you're so articulate and you're so wise and you're so insightful. So nine people in the group are telling her that she's an intelligent human being and, I, and, and, they, all, and they all agreed that if, if they, she told them she went to Boston College or Boston University or the University of Michigan, no one would have had a doubt. But she's grown up with that sensitivity about herself and she has to, and, and she said it's so hard, I feel I'm getting embarrassed and her face was turning red. And I said, see how hard it is to give up our story about ourselves that we've held on to for so long and take in new information. It's not easy. But it's pretty hard to deny nine people who've known you pretty well over time. And they're all perceiving the same thing. This is an intelligent woman. And obviously she's been successful for many years, but that lack of a degree is something that's always plagued her. Yes, so she's really buying into her own story and it's funny that you say that because my mother was very similar. She um, uh, had to leave school at the age of 13, the war and the depression and that came and as a result she didn't get the education and so she considered herself to be 
unintelligent and I can I can tell you she was one of the most intelligent women that I've ever met you did, you couldn't put anything past her but she had that perception that uh, yes. she was very very much less than okay mm -hmm. so so we've talked a little bit here about empathy and when we come back let's talk now about putting that together with cognitive behavioral therapy because that's you know the real um, crux of, of what you've written about here and I know that our listeners are going to be hanging on to find out what else they can do so stay with us we'll be right back up-to-date business and financial news call now and get the financial information you need 866-472-5790 866-472-5790 the experts are here voice america business network shirley dalton's guide five simple steps to business freedom is changing the way today's professionals balance their work lives and the rest of their lives you can enjoy this guide free when you discover businessfreedomfighters.com. You'll find out how to get out of the stranglehold of business and get your life back. The secret is not working longer or harder. It's working smarter and better. You'll join the thousands who find this guide and Shirley Dalton valuable resources for their business. Visit businessfreedomfighters.com today. If you like the Reclaim Your Freedom radio show, you can join Shirley Dalton for her TV show, Empowered Business TV, where you'll get to meet her guests in person and join in with activities to improve yourself, your team, and your business. Watch demonstrations of techniques and strategies you can implement immediately. Plus, regular business owners who are happy to share their experiences and secrets that have made them successful to help you achieve the success you want in business and in life. Visit EmpoweredBusinessTV.com today. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Reclaim Your Freedom with Shirley Dalton. If you have a question or a comment about the program, please send an email to questions at daltonbusinesssystems.com. Again, that's questions at daltonbusinesssystems.com. Now, back to Reclaim Your Freedom. Welcome back. We're talking with Dr. Arthur Sierra McCauley and we're talking today about how you can reduce the amount of stress and that stress hormone cortisol in your life through Dr. Sierra McCauley's new book, which is called The Stress Solution. And um, Arthur, you combine cognitive behavioural therapy and empathy. And we've talked a little bit now about empathy and the benefits of that. What's, tell us about cognitive behavioural therapy and the combination that you've put together, please. Well, cognitive behavioural therapy primarily surely focuses on distortions, how we distort and, and, and unlearning some of the ways we've learned to distort reality, distort our perceptions of other people the kind of distortions like, for instance, generalizations or magnifying, catastrophizing, black and white thinking, minimizing, projecting, all the ways that we don't see the truth and cause stress by not seeing the truth. And I combine it with empathy because 
cognitive behavioral therapy is basically present-oriented, focused on the present, doesn't focus on the past, where empathy helps us to see how we're transforming things from the past into the present that interferes with perception. So the new combination of the power of empathy, brain science, and cognitive behavioral therapy provides people with a very comprehensive self-help tool to lessen stress and balance, I think. And empathy, as I mentioned, calms the emotional brain so we can perceive accurately and thoughtfully. And being able to perceive accurately is crucial to reducing stress as that old bias thinking based on early conditioning distorts reality and causes unnecessary tension. So once we stop distorting what we're seeing, we are more in a position to give and receive empathy, which produces the neurochemical change of, of producing oxytocin, which we talked about has so many benefits. So while cortisol makes us fearful, oxytocin makes us feel comfortable, secure, and in a position to give and receive empathy. So the, I combine empathy because cognitive behavioral therapy definitely focuses on the way we distort how we see ourselves and others, but I added empathy because I think we need to unlearn some of the ways that we learn to perceive from the past. And we've all grown up with prejudices about ourselves and others that we need to unlearn. And it's, it's very important to note that anything that's learned can be unlearned. I mean, we, we, we weren't born perceiving ourselves in negative ways or other people, but we can unlearn the distorted ways we perceive and the distorted ways we talk to ourselves about ourselves. And you mentioned one, I mean, there's a, there's a number of um, categories, if you like, within um, cognitive behavioural therapy or CBT, and one of them is catastrophizing. And just for our listeners, you know, that, that's the people who, and correct me if I'm wrong here, that um, it's almost like chicken little, you know, the sky's falling in. Everything is terrible when, and that's what you're saying, is a distortion. It's, it's not necessarily terrible. It's not necessarily the, the worst thing that's ever going to happen in the world. It's something that's happened. Uh, you know, and if, if, if I give our example when we were first connecting and it took us a little while to get the microphone working and I could have gone into the, oh, this always happens to me and it's t terrible and I'll never be able to do an interview and, you know, as Jerry Seinfeld says, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> yes. And if you had done that, what would have happened? You would have produced cortisol which would have made you more stressed and less able to think clearly because cortisol really destroys creativity and our, our ability to think and perceive clearly. Instead, we had a little humor between us and it all worked out. But if you had catastrophized, yes, you would have put yourself in a position to not see or think clearly and your ability to strategize would have been very limited. So it, we probably wouldn't be talking right now. No, and, and uh, in my past, what I would have done was said, oh, forget about it. It's just not going to work. Don't worry about it. And then I would have huffed off with the sulks. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, and I, the reason I'm laughing is, A, because it's a call out to me and, uh, and sharing that with people. But, two, um, I'm wondering how many of our listeners are sitting there going, oops, <laughs> been there, done that, uh, which is why you've written the book, to help people to actually change that. Yeah, I, I, I've written the book. I mean, it really is, I, I, I've constructed it as more of a workbook, surely, because I, I, I believe that change is an active process. You can't just think about it. You have to do something with it. So at the end of every chapter, there's a take action phase, which I ask you to do some exercises and to let me know or let yourself know who you identify with in the many stories that I tell in the book. 
and how are you going to unlearn some of the distorted ways that you are perceiving and I ask you to share it with somebody close to you to get feedback because as we discussed earlier in the earlier segment we can't make these changes alone we need help from other people and uh, you know good friends give us what we need to hear not what we want to hear so if you're open to feedback and you're asking some people about you know the changes you're trying to make that it tends to be more much more constructive than trying to do it alone mm-hmm yeah so so how come we seem to be having these issues what's going on that's you know causing it well, you know, there's a number of studies that indicate that Americans have fewer friends, trust has decreased, and empathy has decreased, prejudice has increased, narcissism has increased. And I think what really has, what's happened is we've become a society that places a great emphasis on achievement, status, and appearance, and far less on character and relationships. You know, I think people from all walks of life have been discovering that what they thought would bring them happiness and contentment has caught them up in an emotional prison that's stress-filled and energy-depleting. You know, many people have learned how to achieve, but as we said earlier, they don't know how to love and make lasting deep friendships. And this lack of love and relational connection is the missing ingredient that plagues their lives. And that's why, you know, I coined the term performance addiction. There's a chapter in the book on performance addiction, which is the belief that perfecting appearance and achieving status will secure love and respect. It's an irrational belief system that's learned early from early family experiences, and it's reinforced by our material appearance-driven society. And, you know, my first recognition of performance addicts came about largely as a result of my work with a group of individuals who embodied so many of the qualities that are highly regarded in uh -huh. professional public life. I mean, their resumes were great, very impressive, but I noticed despite their capabilities, they seemed to have little regard for their personal achievements or their own physical appearance. They all seem to be what I call scoreboard watchers. You know, every day they take inventory of how well or how terribly they're performing, or how attractive or how dreadful they look in the mirror. And, you know, unfortunately, because they're always comparing and contrasting themselves to others, they tend to do the same to the people that are in their lives. You know, they, they base their own lovability on their daily performance, and, and then they expect the same of their partner and their children. So they're constantly comparing and contrasting themselves and their partner to others. And, you know, they, they find it easy to fall in love, but they really don't know how to sustain love. And they think by achieving more, by gaining more, by making more money, by, by having a bigger house, another car, on and on and on, all of those things are fine. But if you think you're going to change your in, insides by changing something outside, it's a myth. You know, we, we can't change, we, we can't have solve an internal problem through an external solution. And that's what a lot of performance addiction addicts in our society unfortunately believe. Because they've never really uh, you know, uncovered the hurts in their early life that drive them so intensely that you know, a lot of them, they don't do the work because they love the work, they do the work because they, they're trying to gain love and respect from other people. And people aren't going to love you just because your resume reads well. People love you because of how you are with them. They love you for who you are, not not just for what you can do. Mm -hmm. So the the quest, you know, to have the biggest house, the the most amount of money, the most prestigious job, and the best car is is what you're saying. We we get addicted to this performance and to this achievement, which then causes all of these negative effects. And and you can have all of those things. Nothing wrong with that. But what you're saying is that people love us for who we are, not for what we have. 
Yes, and, and, and if all of those things are fine, Shirley, if you're pursuing them out of joy. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you like driving automobiles, that's fine. If you'd like a, a, you know, add a, a sunroom to your home, that's great. But are you doing it because you're trying to impress the neighbors or somebody else or to prove to yourself that you're of value? It won't work if you're doing it for that reason. You know, people, and that's why, you know, the difference, and I'm sure you've seen this in, in your work and in your life, people who love their work, it's not work. Yes. But people who are working to attain status and overcome something that they suffer from early in life, it never, never works. And it, in fact, it only drives them crazy, and then they drive the people around them crazy. And you mentioned in your, um, you mentioned earlier in your book that it's um, lots of activities, and, and I've been reading it and going through the activities, and they are really insightful and um, gives you a great deal of self awareness. You've got a couple of assessments there. You've got a performance addiction, a stress questionnaire, and an empathy questionnaire. I wonder if you would give uh, a couple of questions out of one of those to our listeners, just so that they can get a feel for. Um, you know who they are a little bit more self-awareness and also an idea of what's in the activities in the book sure here's a few from the performance addiction questionnaire at the end of the book mm -hmm. uh, did you seldom feel listened to as a child did you worry that if you didn't please your parents you'd be you would lose their love did you question whether your parents truly loved each other did you often feel guilty did you seldom have fun with your parents outside of achievement oriented situations were your parents quite concerned with your physical appearance? Were one of both of your parents critical people in general? Do you have memories of specific childhood hurts that have never left you? Were you easily humiliated as a young person? Were you considered to be a very sensitive child? Do you believe your past mistakes made you unlovable today? Do you want unconditional acceptance with no criticism? You know, do you always have a to-do list in your mind or in your pocket? Have you considered or have you already had cosmetic surgery? Are you chronically dissatisfied with the way people respond to you? Do you often feel you have to work much harder than others to excel? Do you wonder if anyone really loves anyone else for who they are rather than for what they do? That's a sample of the questions in this questionnaire. Wow, and, and I almost wanted to yell out, stop, <laughs> <laughs> stop, because <laughs> I can totally put my hand up for a lot of those and I'm, I'm thinking that our listeners today, there'll be a lot of you there and uh, <laughs> I can see the smiles there as you think, wow, you know, yes, we, we're high achievers and, uh, and to use your phrase, uh, addicted to performance, but gee whiz, when you look at some of those questions there, it that's just amazing and it's just uncanny how you can pick that. So we're going to take a short break and when we come back, let's dig into how you actually came up with those activities, what uh, influenced those. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. If you like the Reclaim Your Freedom radio show, you can join Shirley Dalton for her TV show, 
Empowered Business TV, where you'll get to meet her guests in person and join in with activities to improve yourself, your team, and your business. Watch demonstrations of techniques and strategies you can implement immediately. Plus, regular business owners who are happy to share their experiences and secrets that have made them successful to help you achieve the success you want in business and in life. Visit EmpoweredBusinessTV.com today. Shirley Dalton's guide, Five Simple Steps to Business Freedom, is changing the way today's professionals balance their work lives and the rest of their lives. You can enjoy this guide free when you discover BusinessFreedomFighters.com. You'll find out how to get out of the stranglehold of business and get your life back. The secret is not working longer or harder. It's working smarter and better. You'll join the thousands who find this guide and Shirley Dalton valuable resources for their business. Visit businessfreedomfighters.com today. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Reclaim Your Freedom with Shirley Dalton. If you have a question or a comment about the program, please send an email to questions at daltonbusinesssystems.com. Again, that's questions at daltonbusinesssystems.com. Now, back to Reclaim Your Freedom. Welcome back. Well, I was laughing with uh, Arthur over the break because as he was reading out, and that was just a sample of some of the questions for performance addiction, and I'm like, no, stop, I can't can't stand it. I've got all of those. Well, not all, but uh, but a lot. And um, what I want to know, Arthur, is how did you come up with those questions? Because they, they are so on point. You know, just answering those questions, I'm able to say, yes, I, I would identify as having performance addiction uh, and certainly high achievement. You know, that, that was valued highly in my family. Well, you know, the, the questions come from my experience with high achievers, Shirley, because so many people are pushing themselves to achieve in a high level for what we were talking about earlier, that there's some unresolved early hurts in their lives where they didn't feel they measured up and then achievement and status and appearance becomes the goal, the, the way to solve the problem. So these questions really, and there's 74 questions in that quiz, we only just began. <laughs> <laughs> not, not to frighten you, but um, and almost everyone who takes it who's a high achiever, CEOs, CFOs, media personnel, professional athletes, um, they all score in the high areas because you know, the, a lot of the drive that they have is coming from that intensity without them realizing it, that intensity, what are they searching for? They want to be loved. And they didn't, they didn't receive the amount of compassion and empathy that they needed early in life. And then they found out that people pay attention to you when you achieve. But when you achieve you, you, and, and you get, you know, some applause for achieving, you, you can come to think that that's going to last. But, of course, it's only fleeting. One of my clients is a former professional athlete, and he had high cholesterol and high blood pressure. So he was in my the, one of those leadership groups, and we got him to start walking and running, and he, he lost some weight, and he was taking good care of himself. And then uh, over time, one of the members noticed that he, he didn't look the same. He, he didn't look so healthy, and he started to gain weight again. And she asked him, what's going on? And he said, you know what? I, I go to the I go to the track every morning at seven o'clock and I was running around the track and I was getting in better shape and my cholesterol was going down and my blood pressure was going down 
And then one morning I realized there's nobody in the stands. Why should I even do this? <laughs> and, <laughs> so there's nobody there. And there's nobody watching me. There's nobody clapping. There's nothing. And then I lost interest. And you see, that's that's what he had grown up all his life was he was yearning for the applause. So he's he's a person that is not inner-directed. He's outer-directed. And a lot of these questions are outer-directed. They're all about how do I gain the love and approval and acceptance of other people. And there, there he is doing something that really was very healthy for himself, but nobody was clapping. There's nobody in the stands, so he gave it up because he, he's looking, he's still looking for love in that way, and that's not the way to obtain it. He's married. He has four children. He has a way to obtain it in his own home if he could settle down and be more present. But he's always on the move and always trying to acquire more, be more, do more. And because it becomes, it's what I call, uh, you know, the, the psychology of perfectionism. They, they believe that they can perfect their way into happiness. And it really is mythical. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> you believe that you can perfect your way to happiness. Wow. So, so what we're talking about really is um, being authentic. Yes. It's, it's, it's gaining the faith in yourself. And, and working through some of the, the early hurts in life so that you can realize that you really are okay and we really all are imperfect. You are never going to get to a state of perfection. No human being ever does. And I understand some people can perform on very high levels and that's great, but you won't always. You know, I mean, I've done many of these radio interviews. Sometimes I'm on and sometimes I'm a little off. Nobody is that consistent all the time. We have to be good enough. We don't have to be perfect. And what happens when we're when we substitute our natural personality for one that's trying to please to gain acceptance and love? I mean, it's a failing proposition because pretense is a burden that's depleting. It also makes it difficult to maintain intimacy because closeness to other people is based on being able to be open, genuine, and vulnerable. And the irony is, authenticity attracts others in powerful ways and allows us to feel comfortable in our own skin. When you, and you can tell our nervous systems talk to each other like remote control, remote control systems. You, you know when you're in the presence of someone that is comfortable in their own skin. They're not trying to impress you. They're not trying to grab the microphone at a party. They're just, they're just at ease. They don't have to be the center of attention. They don't have to tell you about their stock portfolio or how well their business is doing. Um, they, they're more, they tend to listen more than they talk, and that's something that when you're practicing empathy, you should always be asking yourself, who talks more? Do I talk as much as the other person or do I talk three times more? If you're talking three times more than the other person, it's your ego that's involved. You're not being empathic. Empathy conveys a curious interest in understanding the other person and that I, I, my ego isn't so large, my lack of self-esteem isn't so large that I have to keep presenting myself like it, it's a you know you go to a party and you meet some people it's like a PowerPoint presentation <laughs> yes. oh, sorry that really tickled me and, and uh, I remember when we were at a networking event one time and the next day our guest said to us what did you say to these people they thought you were the most interesting people ever and he said no no that's not true and after we got over our offense at that and uh, we he said what did you talk about and we said them <laughs> yes 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 <laughs> yes you know the old saying god gave us two ears and one mouth for for obvious reason <laughs> <laughs> yes 
Yes. Oh, and I love that. So before we run out of time, Arthur, I really want uh, people to get the name of your book and where they can find it. And this is really interesting because I'll say that the first part of it, the stress solution, um, but I wasn't game to say the last part in case I mucked it up. And then you, you so nicely uh, called me to attention. So do you want to just fill the listeners in on A, the book name, where they can get it and, and what I just did? Well, the book name is The Stress Solution, Using Empathy and Cognitive Behavioral Therapy to Reduce Anxiety and Develop Resilience. Um, my website is balanceyoursuccess.com. You can see it there or order it there. You can go to Amazon or Barnes & Noble online and get it from either one of those booksellers as well. But what happened was I said, <laughs> Shirley was criticizing herself a little bit, and I said, I'm absolutely sure that you could, you could say this perfectly. And we sort of, you know, chuckled because uh, you you were caught in a moment of a little self-criticism there, and, and 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 because you've said the word cognitive behavioral therapy, you've said empathy, you've said anxiety, and I'm sure you could say resilience. So it it was almost your your automatic self-talk there came out, and it gave us a good example for your listeners. Yes, and what I did was I held myself back then. And, uh, you know, thinking, oh, no, I can't do that, um, when in fact I can. And all I had to do actually was to scroll up on my screen and I can say, the stress solution, using empathy and cognitive behavioural therapy to reduce anxiety and develop resilience. <laughs> that was right. <laughs> <laughs> you were right. <laughs> uh, I don't think we had any problem whatsoever. <laughs> no, absolutely not. But And that's the thing, listeners, you know, there's that distortion. We tell ourselves things and they're not necessarily true. And so thankfully, uh, Arthur was able to give me some feedback, which we've shared with you. And so, you know, today's topic is, is certainly one that affects the majority of us. We heard those numbers at the beginning. And we've been very fortunate today to learn some tools to deal with stress. You've been listening to Reclaim Your Freedom. I'm your host, Shirley Dalton, and we've been talking with the author of The Stress Solution, dot, 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 Dr. Arthur Sierra McCauley. <laughs> you even pronounced my last name correctly. How about that? Yes, yes. Yes, not a lot of people can do that. <laughs> Good. See, there's that performance addiction and high achieving coming in. So, yeah. Arthur, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. Thanks so much for joining us. And listeners, thank until you. thank you, listeners, until next week, be sure to implement the techniques you've learned today and continue to create your ideal business lifestyle. Thank you for joining Shirley Dalton and her amazing guest this week on Reclaim Your Freedom. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 1 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, relax just a bit and have a great week. Enjoy the upcoming weekend, and we'll see you here for the next show. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 